and and I'll I'll tell people, you know, I'm going to do a bad impersonation, but I'll do my Forrest Gump. I'm not a smart man, <laughs> but I know the <laughs> system. I, that's right. I love systems. I live by systems. And so, you know, when we were in debt and we come out of that three day training, and we're like, okay. And here's the unfortunate statistic, not just for business owners, but in North America, unfortunately, only three percent of people will use knowledge that they've been given. And I probably would have been one of the 97% coming out of that weekend if I wasn't so financially stressed. And my wife and I were going, we have to make a change. We have no choice. So we took what we learned from that three days, we put into practice. And also we were able to go from $150,000 in personal debt to actually completely retired financially free nine months later at the age of 32. This is Going Boldly, the podcast. Here's your host, Russ the Big Guy. Hi, it is Russ the Big Guy. I'm a lifelong entrepreneur who is very familiar with the struggles and successes related to running a business. I know it is definitely worth the struggle. The freedom and unlimited potential keep me moving forward, fueled by my why. Aligned with that is my desire to share with you, the entrepreneur and aspiring business owner, entertainment, information, inspiration, and even transformation into an even more amazing entrepreneur and human. To those ends, please enjoy this episode of Going Boldly. Hey, it's Russ. We're back uh, up here in the uh, penthouse suite. Just a little transparency here. Our guest today, I just met him. Now, uh, very often I know people ahead of time or we've uh, chatted or had some uh, some interaction, but our guest today is Robert Riopel. Only thing I know about Robert is a little bit of research that I've done and I've seen him on, on social media. And uh, I think we're going to have an interesting conversation because I like Robert already. <laughs> so welcome to the podcast, Robert. Uh, thanks, Russ. Yeah, as long as we have no fun at all, right? Because this has got to be very, very serious. Yeah, because this yeah, is business. business is yeah, serious. That's right. This is business oriented. So we got to be extra serious. Well, I got to say on that note, just an aside here. So I, we're down a rabbit hole already. And the audience has no idea even who you are or anything. But I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. I really like this platform, but it's it's turning into Facebook. And, and one of the things that I like about it is it was a little more serious and it was more business oriented. And so anyways, uh, um, it's kind of like, you know, where's the balance? You know, we got to, we, we want to get the, some work done, uh, but we want to enjoy our life at the same time. So Robert actually is going to help us learn how to do that because he's an author and a podcast host of Success Left a Clue. And something I wanted to uh, ask about is this app, uh, Amentora. Am I saying that right, Robert? Well, you're kind of close. It's actually Amentora. Amentora. Okay. Yeah. I did. I checked this out a little so bit. Think of it and like this is, a mentor. Yeah. Think of it like a mentor in your pocket. I love it. Okay. Got it. Um, yeah. I checked that out a little bit. I find this very interesting and I'm hoping you're going to give us some background onto this. So, um, so Robert, you're helping people uh, improve. You're helping uh, entrepreneurs and, the, and that's perfect because our listeners are those people. And if they're listening to this show, if they're listening to this podcast, they're hungry right? And they're hungry for success. They're hungry for personal and professional development. They're the kind of people that we like to hang with. So give me a little background. Like, uh, how'd you get into this? Why do you care? And, and what, are you do, what are you doing to help people? Well, you know, Russ, first of all, um, it, I became an entrepreneur really by mistake. If you believe there's any mistakes in the world, which there's not. I ended up becoming an entrepreneur, of course, because I was meant to. But where I grew up in Alberta in Canada is very in-the-box thinking go out and find a job that's secure, that pays you money. And even if you don't like the job, if it's supporting your family, you do it. And so that's when I entered the workforce early. That's exactly what I was doing. Oh, my god! And all of a sudden, here I am, this right? Is, <laughs> this, sounds, this is like an echo. I get it. <laughs> Been there, done that. Yeah. Yep. Got a few of the T-shirts, right? Yeah. And so here I am. I'm 21 years of age, being laid off from the third company. And I started getting a little bit of a complex around it because it was all three of the companies I was laid off because they were shutting down. And so I'm starting to go like, is it me? <laughs> is there something that I'm doing to jinx this place? And in 1989, when I'm being laid off from that third company, it's, it was a factory that I got hired onto when they opened. I'd worked my way through it from inside the factory to helping run the shipping and receiving department to now I was in inside sales and, you know, thinking, I'm going to work here for 40 years. I'm going to be my own general manager of my own factory. 
I look back now, Russ, and I go, thank goodness I'm not, because it'd probably be the most fun factory you've ever been at, but I don't know if they could handle having me as a general manager. Well, it sounds, and, uh, it sounds like you were doing the right thing, or, you know, that was that was what was expected. You work your way up the ladder, you get more responsibility, you get more pay, theoretically, well, and, yeah, and that's, that's, like, that's your life. Yeah, that's the way it's supposed to be done. Well, exactly. That's what they told so us. Imagine my shock when I walked. <laughs> oh, rabbit hole. <laughs> imagine my shock when I walk in on a Monday morning and the general manager calls me in. He says, uh, we're shutting the factory down. You were laid off as of last Friday. And I was just coming back from a week of holidays. And I'm like, you couldn't tell me that before I took my holidays. And he's like, we didn't know. And I, oh, I had a few choice words. Let's just say that. And at the time here in Alberta, we were in the middle of an oil bust which means our economy was not good. And there was no what people would call real jobs out there. And I looked. Now, because I have been taught from a young age, you do what you need to do to support your family. I decided to do something until I found that real job. And I started delivering pizzas for Domino's Pizza. And at 21, Russ, I was the old guy for delivery drivers. Yeah. (laughs) And so, but the cool thing about that was, is I was able to get the younger guys to give me their closing shifts because they just want to go party. So I started actually making more money in delivering pizzas than I had in my real job. <laughs> and all of a sudden, my manager said, well, I've sold my store. I'm actually buying two stores in Calgary, Alberta, which is an hour and a half away from where I was. And I was in a little bit of a panic mode. And I thought, what if I get replaced? So out of necessity, I went to him and said, well, you have two stores now. There's only one of you. Do you need another manager? And we talked for a couple hours. He made the decision because of my work ethic that two weeks later, I was going to move to Calgary and I'd start managing his store. Now, here's a funny part of that. As I said to him, since I have two weeks, can I start learning how to run a store? And he goes, nah, you'll have plenty of time to figure it out when you get there. Yeah. Well, it's funny, you know, because that, that's what we talk about. You know, you have the work ethic, you have the values and that stuff is hard to teach, but um, you can learn how to run a store. You know, you can learn how to operate machinery. Yes. You can learn how to do a lot of these different skills and tasks. Right. Um, so like well, you yeah. had the, you know, you, you as a young guy, he saw something in you that was uh, of value. Well, and my nickname at the store was actually Mr. Happy. Because one of the things my mom taught me is no matter what's going on in your day, the moment you walk through the door to work, you leave all your problems at the door and you be there, you enjoy what you're doing. You Because you know one negative person can impact the whole, whole crew you know, in, <laughs> oh in an gosh. instant. Yes. And so when I'd oh. walk in, if someone was in a bad mood, I took it upon myself to talk to them, see what I could do, help them get, you know, feeling better. And I would tease the heck out of them until they were smiling and laughing. And it got to the point where I could walk in the store and all of a sudden you'd hear Robert's here, everybody be happy. And the whole energy would change in the store, which was pretty cool. And I didn't even realize that impact I was having. Yeah. So now I become a manager and my wife becomes my assistant manager. And we do what we're taught to do. We start working hard. We start working open to close seven days a week. And we're doing this for about a year and a half when the panic sets in because all of a sudden my franchisee says, I made a bad decision buying these two stores. I'm getting out of Domino's. I'm selling the stores. Mm -hmm. And we had watched enough stores around us get sold. We knew the managers were let go immediately because the new owners wanted to come in with their own staff. And so I'm like, oh crap, we need to start calling the other franchisees. And my wife looks at me and she goes, why would we do that? Why don't we just buy the store? We're qualified to be franchisees. And I looked at her and I'm like, because we don't have any money. That's why we won't do that. (laughs) It's it's amazing how money plays into buying a business. But luckily, I have a wife who I was an in-the-box thinker because that's how I was raised. She was taught that what box is there? And she's not willing to be put in a box. And so she said, well, let's figure out how we do this. And we started making a lot of mistakes, a lot of mistakes. We were trying to buy the business, not the assets. Um, And we learned that every time we said, oh, yeah, we want to buy a business that's already up and running, the people who are willing to loan money are like, nope, sorry, wrong answer. And every time we stumbled, every time we made a mistake, I don't look at them as mistakes now, because if you learn from everything you do, some of the greatest lessons come from your biggest mistakes. So I call it feedback. And it took about four months where we now had the confidence. We knew what what to say and what not to say. When we were finally able to have an introduction to our bank's business manager. And here's one of the things I, you know, especially small 
business owners and entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. Make sure you keep great relationships with your bank. Don't be the customer that they only ever hear from you if there's a problem. Even today, I know the tellers at my local branch. I know the manager. I know the um, loan officers. I know them all. Because back then, I didn't know what I was doing, but I was keeping a great relationship. And you could only see a business manager if you knew someone who knew someone who knew someone. Mm -hmm. It was like an inner circle. But we're in the branch talking to the actual manager because she loved my wife and I. She knew we were hard workers. And we're sitting down having a conversation. And she goes, how's it going with the store? And we're like, we're almost defeated. We're like, it's not going well. And she says, why? Have you talked to Grant, the business manager? We like, we can't get an appointment with him. She literally stood up, took us by the hand, walked us across the bank, knocked on his door and said, Grant, this is Robert and Roxanne. This two hardworking kids that manage Domino's Pizza and they want to buy it. Take care of them. And because of that introduction, and, and now had we met him four months earlier, we would have bumbled it. Yeah. Absolutely. But because we'd learned what to say and what not to, we sat down and he didn't give us the financing for the store. He actually gave us 100% financing for both of the stores. Whoa. That my Domino's Pizza franchise had for sale. Wow. And we're like, yeah, right? And we're like, oh. Well, We're successful now. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you own a now you now you owe a lot of money. Well, and and the thing was is we knew how to run a store, but we did not know how to run a business. Mm. And you know, there's a big difference, right, Russ? <laughs> there's a huge difference. <laughs> there's a lot of differences and, and a lot of categories. <laughs> well, right, and like one of the first things that came to our mind is the stores are struggling. We can't afford an accountant. We've got to cut costs everywhere. And we'll do it on our own. Yet we were working 80 plus hours a week in the store already. How did we think we were going to do accounting? Our whole, for the first two years, here was our financial thermostat of whether we were working well or not. If there was money in the bank account, we must be doing well. That was our whole way of tracking our success. And you know, a couple of years later, when all of a sudden the government's going, um, hello, you own a business. We haven't seen any paperwork. You need to get caught up. We bit the bullet and hired a, uh, an accountant. And when we got things figured out through a lot of stress, a lot of struggle, trying to remember, because this is a business where oh, daily I, you're having to do work. I can hear it coming. How much did you owe? <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't too bad on that. Oh. But the accountants looked at us and they went, how did you survive? There's no way you, you two should have made it. And thank goodness at that time, we didn't know what we didn't know. Yeah. We were just too tenacious to give up and quit. And you, so you can only do that for so long and then you'll just eventually you'll burn out. Yeah. And, and today I'll tell you every business I start or buy or look to buy or start, I sit down with my accounting team before I even start or buy because I will, you know, a, an accounting team is invaluable. And I've come to learn that a good accountant will save you way more money than it ever costs you to hire them. And so I'm huge on that. So how do you get from uh, from a franchisee to uh, coaching other entrepreneurs? <laughs> well, you know, when we figured out how to be franchisees and have the accounting going on, we started doing okay, and we started spending more money than we were earning. And I know you've probably never heard of anybody that's ever done that before in their life. <laughs> and by the time we were franchisees for eight years, we're actually over $150,000 in debt and going oh down gosh. big time. Oh, my goodness. And um, that's... That's when we were introduced to personal development. We were introduced to a three-day training. And when we went into it, we learned, first of all, why we were spending money the way we did from our programming. Um, we, more importantly, learned to take ownership. Don't blame other people for our debt. We're the ones that, like, I used to blame someone that lost an investment that I put money into. And it's like, no, I'm the one that gave them the money. I didn't do my proper due diligence. Take ownership. And then the third thing we learned was what action steps we could take if we didn't want to stay in that position. One of the things about me is my initials are RRR. Mm -hmm. And the first R, not only does it stand for Robert, but it means it stands for I keep it real when I teach people. I'm not going to just teach them the fluff and the, here's the good things. I'm going to give them the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because again, if someone can learn from what did not work for me and it helps them, then that's a victory. And that's the way I look at it. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I, I had someone mention to me that they don't want to like give people the bad news because they don't want to scare them. And I was just the opposite. I go, look, people need to know. 
They need to have wow. a real picture of what this is like. Tell them how much time they're going to have to invest in a new business. Tell them what they're going to have to give up if they oh, want to yeah. do this. Because otherwise, it's going to... I mean, they're going to get punched in the face several times. A week. I say this all the time. You get punched in the face at least a couple times a week, if not every day, and if you're if you're running and, a business, right? And it's brush yeah. fires and it's you know con- controlled Absolutely. disaster, controlled chaos yeah. in most places. So, and, and, but because that's there's exactly two, what it was. Yeah, yeah. Because that's even exactly. you know, as as great as you are or your systems are, there's outside influences that you have no control over. A great example is one of the statistics that Domino's Pizza loved to tell everybody is because you couldn't just buy a, a, a franchise. You actually had to qualify as a manager for at least a year meeting a bunch of criteria. And this is why 95% of the franchisees were started off as drivers like I did. And the what they love to tell people is that the average age of a franchisee is 23 years of age. And when we bought our stores, we were. That's the age we were. So they love telling people that statistic. The statistic they didn't want to tell people is that the average first-time franchisee would go bankrupt within six months. Wow, that's fast. And it is. And what it would happen is, because remember what I said is we knew how to run a store. We didn't know how to run a business. Yeah. When you're running as a manager and you've got a franchisee paying the bills, keeping the system in place, you know, doing the advertising and all that, all of a sudden you get a young person that now is the owner and ego kicks in. And it's like, I'm going to now do it my way. And they would start changing the systems. In fact, the last thing we did in our last year of um, being in franchisees is we had a partnership with the largest franchisee in Canada where we would go into his stores that were about to go bankrupt. We'd go in and we'd turn the store around. And within an, um, three months, we'd walk out with sales and profits going up by over 100%. And people were like, you guys are brilliant. How are you doing that? And we're like, well, we went in, cut out all the crap that was not Tom Monahan, the founder of Domino's. That's not his system. Mm-hmm. We brought it back to the system, trained the system, and oh look, profits and sales are going up amazingly. Yeah, so, I'll take so, credit yeah. for that. <laughs> so you didn't really even have to be that smart. You just did what you were supposed to do. Well, and that's it. And and I'll I'll tell people, you know, I'm going to do a bad impersonation, but I'll do my Forrest Gump. I'm not a smart man, <laughs> <laughs> but I know the and system. I, <laughs> that's right. I love systems. I live by systems, and so. You know, when we were in debt and we come out of that three-day training and we're like, okay, and here's the unfortunate statistic, not just for business owners, but in North America, unfortunately, only 3% of people will use knowledge that they've been given Mm. and that they've learned. And I probably would have been one of the 97% coming out of that weekend if I wasn't so financially stressed and my wife and I were going, we have to make a change. We have no choice. So we took what we learned from that three days, we put into practice, and all of a sudden we were able to go from $150,000 in personal debt to actually completely retired, financially free, nine months later at the age of 32. That's great. And wow. That's very unusual. Yeah. <laughs> well, and our, our minds went, wow. And our mind said, if that little information gave us this result, what would more do? So at this point, we became, for the next two and a half years, we dove into every training every learning we could, because I'm a big believer, don't just learn one way, learn from as many people as you can. And while we were doing that, I found my passion. My passion was to teach because I felt if I could even help one person, one person do what my wife and I had been able to do, go from deep in debt to financially free, it'd make it all worthwhile. And now today, 18 and a half plus years later, I've been blessed to travel around the world several times personally train over half a million people in audiences from 100 to 6,000 at a time for three to five days at a time where I'm on stage up to 12 hours at a day and just living my passion. And that's kind of how I came to be where I am to help people today. Well, that's pretty amazing. You know, a lot of people sort of say that thing, like if I could just, you know, I, I just, if I could just help one person and it sounds a little disingenuous from some people, but if you've ever been in a position where you were able to help that one person, the f- I just got goosebumps. The feedback, <laughs> what a powerful, powerful thing that is. And even oh, dude, that, you just, just transferred the goosebumps to me. Just that just one, right? Them. Just that <laughs> one, right? Even if it's just yeah. that first or that first one, even. I mean, if that's a, that's well, a legitimate, and- that's a legitimate thing. Like that is that is so real. Yeah, and what a lot of people don't realize, and if we're on camera. I would be pointing at myself because usually that one person you start with is sitting in your seat. Yes. 
Oh my gosh. That's and so and true. you take that one step, right? And, and, and here's why people get overwhelmed is because they think that if I'm going to be successful, that means I have to help, you know, say as a trainer, as an example, I have to have help hundreds and thousands of people. And so they get overwhelmed with all the million what if scenarios or how do I do it? What's it going to look like? What if I make a mistake? So no wonder they don't get started or they do end up sabotaging themselves because they overwhelm themselves. But if you take that deep breath in and you go, okay, uh, one of my favorite quotes from one of my mentors, every master was once a disaster. Oh, I like that. I haven't heard that one exactly like that. You've got to be willing. Yeah. You've got to be willing to go through the disaster stage to get to that master stage, plain and simple and be gentle with yourself and give yourself permission to do it. And, and as entrepreneurs, when one of the books I'm rereading and restudying right now is E-Myth by Michael Gerber, because that book is a life changer for entrepreneurs. You know, Robert, one of the things that I noticed in some of your writing and also, I think you may have mentioned it uh, just a moment or two ago, was something that is of super importance. And it's one of those internal obstacles that people have to deal with. And that's a lack of self-belief, right? It's people that mm-hmm. don't really believe in themselves or they don't believe that they can do it, whatever it is, or that they can't be successful for whatever reason, right? Or um, maybe, you know, maybe not good enough comes in there. So talk about right. that a little bit. Because I think, and and would you agree that that is a major obstacle for people? Uh, not only agree, I am gonna like just magnitude that that from traveling around the world, all the different cultures I've been in front of, the one of the big common denominators is self doubt, low self esteem hmm. in people, and I notice it because that's something I still battle with myself. I have no problem admitting, left to my own devices. I would be in a job miserable but comfortable because really of absolutely why, without why, a doubt. Why do you say that? Because that was my upbringing. That was my belief. Oh, um, I see. And I see. You know, my where I'm really blessed is my wife and I. We met when we were 13. We started dating when we were 16. We got married when we were 19, and we just celebrated our 32nd wedding anniversary two months ago. Wow! And now. Russ, do not do the calculations on my age, okay? <laughs> well, I already figured it out. So, <laughs> Right, I, I figured that. And, and the thing is, is because I was the in-the-box thinker, follow the rules, yeah. you know, don't question it. But my wife, she's, she does not, one of the gifts she gives me, she's not willing to let me play smaller than I am. Wow, you are lucky. You are you. lucky to have that. So what I hear you saying is that left to your own devices, the old programming would start to take over again. So that's something that's always there for you. Yes. Yes. Interesting. And an example of that is even like when I started training in the first four and a half years that I did full on training, I ended up doing so many trainings where I was doing 40 to 50 multi-day trainings a year. On average, I was only at home two days a month. The reason it worked is my wife traveled with me. She was doing logistics. I was doing the trainings and I was overliving my passion. And because I was overliving it, I got burnt out. And because I wasn't taking care of my health, I ended up herniating a disc, not even realizing, thinking it was just a sciatic problem. I decided I had to take a year off because I needed, you know, I was so burnt out. And that one year turned into three and a half years. Now, a couple of reasons that happened is one, I ended up going through two back surgeries and I had to recover from that. Oh, but goodness. two, all of a sudden I went from overliving my passion to not living it at all. An environment is stronger than willpower. And the moment my wife and I were out of the environment of growth, support, and all that, our negative non-supportive habits started coming back in. Our spending habits started kind of going wonky. All of a sudden, we weren't motivated to do things. We would spend a lot of time just, you know, yeah, we can sleep in today. And we'll sit in the hot tub today. Because we weren't worried about money. So it was like, oh, we don't have to do anything. And we got back into that rhythm of things. And it was, I'll tell you, I look back and I go, wow, how quickly those old negative non-supportive habits started coming back in because we gave them the space to. Okay. And so what was wrong with that? If you had plenty of money and you didn't really need to worry about it and you were having a good time, what's the difference? Well, who cares? You spent a lot of time with family, which was awesome. Yeah. But all of a sudden, the weight started going up. Health started getting worse. There was no motivation to do anything but just chill and relax. And that's not serving the world. 
And every single one of us has a gift to give. And my gift as an example is to teach people. I fully have realized that and I believe that. And it took, you know, life, you've noticed life will give you lessons all the time. (laughs) Right? And attention. They're they're always there. They're always there. What happens if you don't pay attention though, Russ? What What does life do if you don't pay attention? If you don't pay attention, life goes on without you. I know that. And, uh, and it also if, comes back and gives you that lesson again, a little bit harder, right? Kicks you in the butt. Yeah. And if you're yeah. not, uh, and if you're not growing, you're uh, deteriorating. So absolutely. Yeah. See, and we were absolutely deteriorating because I went from overliving my passion to not living it at all. Yeah. Both of those ends of the spectrum were bad. And here I am a year into my hiatus. I'd said I was taking a year off and all of a sudden I start getting these little hints and lessons. Robert, you said you're going to start speaking again, Robert. And I ignored him. And here we are two years in. And all of a sudden, August 10th, 2010, I get a lesson I cannot ignore. I'm sitting there at home. My mother and father-in-law, who live across the street and seven doors up from us at the time, my mother-in-law calls me and says, hey, we're having a problem with our cable on the TV. Would you come up and assist me? Yeah, not a problem. I'm just about to cross the street when this couple comes walking out from the walkway beside my house, and they're walking a big bull mastiff dog. And I'm an animal lover. So I stop on the sidewalk. They stand in front of my driveway. And I asked, I said, oh, is she friendly? And they said, actually, no, no, she's not. We just rescued her. We're now starting to rehabilitate her. So I stay where I was. They're about 20 feet away across the street. And we're talking for a bit and getting to know her story. And then eventually I kneel down and they slowly bring her over to me. I let her smell my hand and everything's fine. I pet her head and I pet her neck. And there's absolutely no problem until I go to stand up. And for some reason, the moment I went to stand up, she lunged for my throat. Now, the standing up motion, my chin naturally dropped down to my chest. And so instead of getting my throat, she got my chin. And she started to try and drag me to the ground. I'm instantly in shock. And the only thought in my mind is if she gets me on the ground, I'm dead. So I stand up and it actually takes the guy who was walking her. He had to pry her jaws off of my chin. And now both him and his wife are holding the leash, trying to hold her back because she's lunging back at me. Blood all over the place. I said, look, get her out of here. I live right there. I'll get taken care of. And now the only thought in my head is, if I get blood in the house, my wife is going to kill me. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting what goes through your head when you're in shock, Russ. And I open the door and I think I'm saying it quietly and calmly. I go, Roxanne? And there was something in my voice. She came running. She sees the blood and she's like, what happened? I'm like, I got attacked by a dog. And she grabs a towel right away, gets it up to my chin to stop the bleeding. And now I'm safe. So now my body says, you can actually react. And I start to pass out. And my wife knows that if I drop, she can't get me to the hospital. So she goes into what we call her warrior mode. She sees me starting to wobble and about to drop. And she looks at me and she goes, don't you faint. Get to that car. And I'm like, yes, dear. I'll tell you, Russ, in 32 years of marriage, I've noticed and learned that the most two most important words in a relationship, yes, dear. Yeah. <laughs> and so when they when we get to the hospital, they don't want to clean um, close up dog wounds because they want the bacteria to flush out. But on my jaw, it had ripped through my jaw and it took nine stitches to sew that up. And at that moment, I had a choice. I could look at the situation and went, why the did this happen to me? Or I could look at it and go, okay, why did this happen to me? And the moment I changed the tone of the question, all of a sudden I remembered a universal principle that I used to teach my students that says that which is not utilized is eliminated. One inch over, the dog would have got my jugular and me and my gift to the world would be gone. And so in that moment, I made a decision that I had to come out of retirement, not for money. I had to, because it's my gift, it's my passion. And I choose to keep giving that gift. And that's, it still took a year and a half to come fully out of retirement because of my back surgeries. I would not put my body through what I did in the beginning days. So I wanted to make sure I strengthened my core, dropped weight, got back into shape to do what I do. And that's kind of, you know, so that's why you'll, I will always teach. I'm never quitting. I will teach till I can't anymore. That's a pretty powerful story. Let's let's help our listeners uh, even more with that. So, uh, yeah. what are some of the tools that you use to be able to get yourself back in the game, so to speak, right? To get back out there because because now you're not starting from where you were. You're starting from a deficit, 
right? So it's going to take extra effort to get back to where you were before you semi-retired. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I'd love to share with your audience what I call from my new book that I'm writing right now, my, what I call the four phases of life because entrepreneurs more than anybody, this appeals to them or it pertains to them if they really listen to it called the authority key. Okay. And it, it basically, it's going to be how to unlock and open the doors to your success, no matter what business or job you're in, because, and I know you can relate to this for us. Have you noticed that there's people that have the same knowledge and experience as you do, or even less, but yet they make more money? It's have you of, ever noticed that? <laughs> it's kind of frustrating sometimes, Robert. I got to be honest. <laughs> well, and and the different main difference is, is that they're seen as an authority. Yeah. And so- yeah. The book is going to, it's not going to really, there's a lot of people that teach about, well, to be an authority, write a book, be on a podcast, you know, stuff like that. Those are the practical skills. And I will touch on those in the book, but I do a deep, deep dive into who are you as a person that can handle that. Because when you start becoming an authority and you start getting success, I've noticed the biggest thing that happens to entrepreneurs is because they haven't worked on who they are to handle the success, they sabotage. Oh, the very few true. will actually move themselves forward. So that's going to be a deep dive of what I really work on. And that's where the four phases come into play. And because I like to keep things simple, I love acronyms. And so for the four phases, I use the acronym OPEN. Now, the first phase, the O stands for the observation phase. And so in this phase, this is where it's you're dreaming and setting your visions. What is it? And let's talk business. Where would I like my business to be? What would I like? What kind of revenue? What kind of profit margin? What kind of time off? Like is, is really dreaming big of what you really want. And in this phase, you're not trying to figure out how. This is strictly for creation, meditation, and letting your mind just go as big as you can. Absolutely. That G- when you're giving yourself permission. That's right. Absolutely. Because from the, now from the observation phase, you're going to go into the P. And this one here is the one thing I've identified uh, that entrepreneurs either don't do because they don't think they can or they think they shouldn't. And it's called the pamper phase. See, in the pamper phase, this is the phase where it's all about taking care of yourself. There's that saying that says you cannot give what you do not have. And so in the pamper phase, when you enter this phase, this is where you book a vacation or go on a vacation. This is where you get a massage. You get a manicure or a pedicure. You read a book for, if you like reading, you just sit down and get lost in a book. This is the time where you get selfish and take care of you. And so here's a practical skill for your audience. I live by my phone, the calendar on my phone. And before, when I do my schedule, my wife and I sit down and do our schedules. Before anything else gets put on that calendar, we put in what's called our balance pieces or our pamper pieces. Time together, time for ourselves, time with family, our health. Those get put on the calendar first. Because if you think about money, what is wealth rule number one? Pay yourself first. Yeah. So if you do that with money, why wouldn't you do it with your time? Which is right? even, even more valuable. It is. And so we put our, our balance pieces on our calendar first. And I've got to tell you, it does take creativity. It really does. Um, and one, one of the things I did as an example is for me, people would say, Robert, BC, before COVID, you were flying on average 200,000 miles a year around the world to train. Why are you doing these long flights that are 10 hours, 12 hours, 16 hours long? Well, the first reason is I love experiencing cultures all over the world and helping the people that are hungry to learn. So that's the main reason. But the other reason is a selfish reason. The moment I board that plane and I sit in that seat, that's Robert's time. Ah. That's my time. I don't do work. I watch all these people working like crazy while they're on the planes. I don't. I don't connect to Wi-Fi if it's there. I read because I love to read. I watch movies because I love to watch movies. I get a little sleep. I eat some great food and I drink some great wine. That's Mm. how I take care of myself because I know the moment I step off that plane, the next three to five days, I'm on stage for up to 12 hours a day giving, giving, giving. So if I don't take care of me, 
I can't give at a hundred percent, if that makes sense. Yeah. I can't, from your energy level, I can't imagine you being happy with giving less than a hundred percent. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I'll tell you, and I'm, I'm energetic on the stage. Oh man, I love to have fun on that stage. So it's 12 hours of full on energy, but I take people on a roller coaster because I have them laughing. I have them crying. I have them happy. I have them sad because that's how we get the breakthroughs in people to really make a difference in their life. Mm. And that's why we do the full on immersion trainings because a person can only hold their falseness up for so long. And after, you know, a number of hours, all of a sudden their true self comes through and now we can do the deep work. So there's a whole reason why we do what we do. Yeah. 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 I like that. Yeah. The pamper phase is critical, Russ. It is critical. And so entrepreneurs, please give yourself like, even in your business, no matter how busy it is, find a way to give yourself two weeks off a year and go away. Even if your business goes down during that time, you'll come back so rejuvenated, you'll crank things back up. Yeah, I've kind of, uh, I've kind of, uh, um, uh, not quite the same. I've sort of adopted a similar sort of thing. Actually, just during COVID, um, uh, sometimes I was taking time off and doing things before, but sometimes feeling guilty about it. But during COVID, I was just like, you know what? <laughs> I just, I'm getting too old. I'm just like, I'm just going to enjoy these extra days. If I, and, and if I decide I don't want to work today, I'm not working. If I want to, you know, if I have an opportunity to go do something, um, I can work tomorrow, you know, theoretically. Yeah. Right. But, uh, but I need, uh, I need to, um, I need to reinforce all this, uh, the great memories and interactions with family and, really enrich and reward myself for the work I do do and, and sort of replenish the you energy. You do-do. Did I say do-do? <laughs> you, do, you did say do-do. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. Well, we're going to have to leave it in but now because you, you, you pointed it out. Of course. Yeah. And, and, and you're, right on the, you're right on the money with it because and it, entrepreneurs have so many reasons. And it doesn't mean you have to totally say, okay, I'm going to just disconnect from everything to pamper myself. You like there's times, say during the day, where I use my phone and there's an app called Calm. Yeah, heard of it. C A L M. Sure. Yep. I, I like the sound of rain. Yeah. So I'll use the free version. I put my earbuds in. I take 25 minutes. I sit down, close my eyes, listen to rain. It takes about eight or nine minutes for my mind to quiet. Then the remaining time, I just get reinvigorated because I took that few minutes for me. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And I have so, a goldfish pond. Yeah. I, so I actually sit and watch the goldfish and listen to the water bubble. Oh, mm, yeah. that sounds very tranquil. Yeah. Very tranquil. Nice. I love it. And that's it. And, and if you do the pamper stage, right, because the next phase, the next phase, the E stands for the energy phase. This is the getter done phase. This is where you do your meetings. You do your emails. You do your sales calls. Everything that the business needs, you get done in this phase. And, you know, I can do when I'm in the energy phase, I can pull off an 18 hour day. And am I tired at the end of the day? Yes. But am I wiped out and burnt out? No, because I've taken care of the pampering. Yeah. And there's a difference. And when you're in this phase, and, and here's one of the things I hear from a lot of entrepreneurs, and I'm sure you do as well, is I'm so busy. I don't have time. I, how, how can I do more? And what I've learned and I've noticed and observed is people are really good at being busy yeah. But they're not necessarily being productive. Well, we can all be guilty of that, I think. Absolutely. If Absolutely. We're not, if, if we're not aware of it, right? We have to be, we don't know what we don't know. Yep. Have, Awareness to, is key. Yeah. Awareness. I, I can go and say, hey, I'm going to write, um, work on my new book. So I come into my office. Eight hours later, I walk out and I'm like, oh man, was I busy. But it doesn't seem like I got a lot done in the book. What the heck was I doing? Oh, I was on social media a dozen times. Oh, yeah, I was I'm messaging back and forth. I was doing emails. Oh, and I wrote a little bit of the book. Okay, so well, one, I, going I'm back, to jump my, in real quick here. Like one of the one yeah. of the things that uh, came to mind about the energy is, um, and it is something that is that provides energy as well. So when we're working on when we're working on things that feed us, right, that give us that feeling of fulfillment of feeling that we're making progress feeling that we're making a difference that is energizing so you mentioned like an 18 mm-hmm. hour day well you could be really tired at the end of 18 hours i mean it's you know that's a lot of brain work possibly or even just physically but at the same time which is kind of weird 
but you would feel energized too, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, fulfilled and energized. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and so it's learning that balance. And, and when, like I had to do a total reinvent because of COVID, like so many people, you know, March 10th, yeah. 2020, I landed back in Canada from doing a three-day training in India, stepped off a 16 hour flight and the world had changed while I was in the, in the air. You know, when we took off, everything was fine. When we landed, they held us on the tarmac for quite a while. And when they finally allowed us to pull up the gate, there's two customs agents at the door of the plane checking passports as we came off. Wow. And me all of a sudden, now I went into lockdown because I was in another country. All my live events are being canceled around the world. Yeah. Hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue gone. And at that moment, I could sit there and go to victim role and go, why me? This is crap, which I did for a couple of weeks. I absolutely did. And then well, my we, wife and I asked ourselves, we are, we are human. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, well, I, we I'm are. just saying we're human, oh, yeah. right? So, I mean, yeah. you have to, you can't deny, you know, that we're human and we, we do experience things as a human would and we're emotional creatures. Oh, yeah. So there's, there's nothing oh. wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. You just, you just, not right, at all. Right, Robert, you just don't want to live there. You don't want to stay That's there. That's right. And, and, and your mind's so powerful. See, I actually physically made myself sick because it's like, what's this COVID thing? Do I have it? They say the symptoms are this. Yep, I'm feeling that. And because my wife refused to isolate me, she got sick as well. And there was days where we couldn't be awake for more than half an hour to an hour at a time because we're trying and we're trying to stay awake long enough to be on hold for hours to find, get from our health officials, where can we get this COVID test thing? How do we do that? It took from the time we finally got the test booked to getting the test to finding out, of course, we were negative. It was about a three-week stretch. And we were miserably sick during that time. Most of it's self-inflicted because our minds, we allowed our minds to go crazy on us. Yeah, people, and yeah, when we, keep, I'm not sure. You know, some people might not believe that this sort of thing is real, but gosh, it is. Uh, and even even some of the wonderful things that you're talking about, you know, as you're describing the open, right? These different these different phases. You know, somebody who doesn't live and think this way, this is this sounds like uh, like we're from Mars. But this stuff is so real. <laughs> I mean, it's it's yeah, it's so it real, you know. And successful people yeah. are are utilizing these concepts. And, and I'm going to give some great ways to that anybody that's listening can actually start implementing right in their life right away. Perfect. You know, as we describe it, because yeah, it's about not just listening, going, that was nice. It's okay. What am I taking away and what can I do with it right now? Yeah. Even one step, you know, another quote I love one step in the right direction is worth a thousand years of thinking about it. And so <laughs> I like that, you know, one step at a time. And so you know, when all of a sudden we started coming through the sickness, we asked two words and I want people to write these words down. If they're taking notes, if they're listening and they can't write it down, I want them to remember these two words because they're powerful, especially in business. The words are what's next, what's next. Because the moment yeah. my wife and I asked those words, it's like, okay, all these yeah. events are done. Yeah. Hundreds of thousands of revenues gone. What's next? And we started thinking, we said, well, this beautiful property, this acreage we live on, we bought it three years ago with the intention that eventually, five, six, seven years down the road, we're going to build our own training center. So I'm not even flying as much as I do. My students are going to come to me. And it's like, okay, well, and I talk to myself all the time, Russ, just so you know, yeah. <laughs> there's no problem with talking to yourself. You know, it's an oh issue God. if you go on Facebook we have so much and you actually common. do a it's poll. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I was just talking to myself yesterday and then I started talking to myself, telling myself that I was talking to myself and it would be really weird if I did this and people were around. <laughs> and then I stopped I and it. I looked to see if anybody was around to hear me talking to myself to, to, <laughs> that I was talking to myself. Oh my gosh. Are we related? Are we, we might related? Be. So listen, uh, in, just in case I've got you off on a tangent, because I know I interrupted you several times, which is one of my bad habits. But um, um, so now you're talking about the event center. You did, you, you were on the E for energy, but we didn't get to the end. No, and I don't know if you know that or not. So no, yeah. And I'll bring it right up okay. tie it all together. Absolutely. All right. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> so with that, it was like, okay, what's next? And it's like, well, I'm home now. Let's build the building, uh, the training center. And of course, where did our minds go? Yeah, but all this revenue is gone. What if it lasts for a long time? And so the next two words we use in our life are all in. In wow. other words, 100% commitment. It, it, you know, because it, if it's 100% in or it's 0% in. 
And this is what happens with a lot of entrepreneurs, especially in the energy phase. They give themselves a reason, a plan B. If you give yourself a plan B, you're going to end up taking it most times mm. than not. And so we said, we're all in. And I started, became busier than when I was traveling around the world. And so in the energy phase, I was forgetting about the pamper. So my wife instituted two little adjustments. After about a month, she's watching me now starting to get burnt out because I'm doing 6 a.m. because I have students around the world um, that I'm now trying to train with as we figure out how to pay for and build and do this training center. Mm. Um, I'm going from 6 a.m. to 1 a.m. because of all the different time zones. And she made one little adjustment. She said, here's what, and she put it on the calendar so I could not um, argue with it. From at noon, we sit down for an hour. We put our phones down. We have lunch. We play cards. At dinner time, we put our phones down for two hours. We sit down, we eat, we watch TV. Other than that, I can be as busy as I want. And because we had those two pamper pieces that came in, I was now rejuvenated and it gave me more energy to do the long days. And then we ended up breaking ground December 12th on our new training center. And a week and a half ago, I finally got to move into my new office that I'm in now with a 1500 square foot training center on the other side of my office wall. And so we've created the reinvent and we've done it while keeping that um, balance because the energy is important. Now, a practical tip for your entrepreneurs. How do I do this? How do I know what to do? When to do it? How do I keep on track? This is why it's critical to surround yourself with growth-minded. And listen to my words here. I'm not going to say like-minded people. I'm going to give you a distinction. You want to surround yourself with growth-minded people. Because, yeah, a like-minded person, if you're in a group of people that they're complainers, you'll become a complainer because you'll all be like-minded. Yeah. And that's not going to get you anywhere. A growth-minded person, the difference is, A, if you stumble, they'll be there to pick you up and help you. And you'll get back on your feet. If you're doing great, they'll be your greatest cheering section. But more importantly, they're also the ones that are going to be willing to have those tough conversations with you when they're needed. When you're playing small, when you're being an idiot, when you're being a jerk, those are the people that will say you're off track. That's who you want in your life. We need the those people, people willing to have those. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I if like, you have let, the courage. Let me, yeah, let me just jump in real quick because this is some a, a point that's come up quite a bit. It's so important to have those people in your life, and they need to be the growth-minded people because one of the things that we've talked about a lot is that people who love you, you would think have your best interests at heart, and they do, are oftentimes working from a position of fear because they are afraid that you going out of your comfort zone, doing these amazing things or attempting them is putting you in danger. So they want to keep you mm-hmm. safe, right? So yes. there's a difference. Like there's a there's yes. a big difference there and that's why I think it's so important that you specified growth minded because there's a there's a big difference yeah. between that and other people that you might think are your supporters that would help you. And and that's exactly it because you know family and friends it, it, it's not being malicious when they say, don't do that. Right. They're doing it because they want to keep you safe. But again, not realizing that some of your greatest lessons come from stumbles. When, when my wife and I announced to the families that we we're going to buy a Domino's pizza franchisees, they all thought we were insane. What are you going to do? What if it doesn't succeed? Uh, you know, we're, you're, we've, no one in the family has been entrepreneurs. And, but we had to follow our own guidance of that. And we had to have the courage to, you know, really go with what we want, understanding that they weren't trying to hurt us. They were just love us so much. They didn't want us to get hurt. And what's funny is also when we become the successful ones in both families, all of a sudden people start coming to us for advice and how did you do it and what do you do? <laughs> and we were able to support them. And, and the, now picture this nine years later, we announced that we're getting out of Domino's. And the same people are like, you can't do that. What are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so it's funny how it goes around. It is funny. So, that, and it's life. It's plain life. So have yourself surrounded by those growth-minded people because your network, and it's a cliche saying, but I love it. Your network is equal to your net worth. Plain and simple. And so make sure, this is why it's always, you know, when I talk about in my book, Success Left a Clue, Step number two is find a mentor or someone to model. Always look at where can I take my life to add more value? 
And then that'll keep you growing, plain and simple. So that's the energy phase. The final phase, the N, I do have to admit, I had to get creative on this one because the N is not the first letter of the word, Russ. I'm yeah. sorry. I, <laughs> no, I, I, I didn't have a word that met. We can still be excellent. <laughs> right? We can still be excellent yeah. and not be perfect, Robert. It is the second letter. So we're close. Right, we're close. Good. And the fourth phase stands for is unclutter phase. Or another name for this is chaos. And I'll explain in, in a couple of seconds why I call it unclutter. And this is the one where what happens to people is they get going and all of a sudden it's like that life hits them. Chaos comes into their life. And as we were mentioning before, most people resist it. But in the unclutter phase, and especially as you're going through these phases in life, which you constantly go around and around and around, if you start embracing chaos, as human beings, we were meant to evolve. And chaos is what gets us to evolve. And if we don't get the lesson in the beginning, it comes back harder, as we discussed, until we do get it. And so most people don't listen until they get the hard lesson. Mm. So understand, in the chaos phase, this is the time to courageously destroy something. Meaning, maybe a business or a personal relationship isn't working. In this phase, it's time to let that relationship go. Or I call it the unclutter phase because you can actually cooperate and volunteer for chaos in your life. See, if you're going to evolve, you have to let go of something. You have to destroy something. So you could actually volunteer by going to a closet, cleaning it out, throwing away or donating the stuff you're not using anymore, or going to your office or your refrigerator, doing the same thing. Or And by doing this, now chaos doesn't have to come so hard because it sees, you know, the universe abhors a vacuum. So it sees that you're creating space for more. And so really, you have to be willing to let go of what's good to get what's great. Be willing to let go of what's great to get what's phenomenal. And so this is why it takes courage is because in this phase, as you're destroying something or letting something go, one of the biggest things that people can destroy in the chaos phase is a negative belief that has not been supporting you. Yeah, I like that. And the way you destroy it, yeah, the way you destroy it is you prove it wrong. You do the research or whatever you need to to prove it wrong because proof is the cure for all doubt. And so if there's a negative belief like, I'm not good enough, I, you know, I don't have enough credentials to do this, great, let's prove that wrong. Go talk to your growth-minded friends and ask them a simple question. Why is it I should be able to succeed at this? Why do you think? And let them tell you all the great things that they see in you that you're not seeing in yourself. That's the key. Because I have a friend, Russ, that really, he, he was the one that developed this in his meditations, this theory. He called it his chaos modules. Um, I, I nicknamed him the quantum monk. And the reason I did is because not only was he actually a monk for eight years where he did over 15,000 hours of meditation, he also loves studying quantum physics. So he can tell you all about spirituality and back it up with the science. The man is brilliant. And when he was doing his research and his meditations, he came across this. And when I learned it from him, I'm like, Greg, this is brilliant. The world needs it, but it's not his passion to teach. He has other passions he loves to teach. So I said, can I teach it? And he's like, absolutely. And you know, we spent many hours on Zoom where I would deep dive and I'd ask him, am I getting this right? Am I understanding this? This is the way I look at it. And I blew him away because I took it to a deeper level than he had even contemplated. And so I, one of the things he says that I absolutely live by now, he says, instead of being willing to live life, courageously allow life to live you. And say as that, an entrepreneur say that again. especially. Say that again. Yeah. Instead of being willing to live life, courageously allow life to live you. In other words, if you think you have control, especially as an entrepreneur, that's one of the biggest cosmic jokes out there. We don't have control. Life happens. But what you do have control of is how you respond to what's going on in your life. So if you're willing to courageously allow life to live you and you notice your responses and you respond in ways that support you. So even if something crappy happens, if you go, what's my lesson in this, then you can take it and you can learn from it and you can grow and evolve from it. And when you come through that unclutter phase, the reason I use the 
acronym open is when that wall is thrown up in front of you, if you understand the phases, it's like saying open sesame and you can flow through the chaos instead of being stopped by it, which puts you right back into the observation phase and you can have greater dreams and greater aspirations and go around again. Wow. I love it. All right. That's some good information for our listeners. And, uh, and for me as well, I, you know, one of the great things about doing this podcast is the, is the <laughs> crazy amount of, uh, uh, knowledge that I'm exposed to and new ideas. And, and I get to, uh, constantly, uh, improve myself. So it's much appreciated. And is there anything that we, uh, didn't talk about that you feel might be important to cover real quickly? I believe the greatest gift anyone can give this planet, this universe is to be themselves authentically and show up for who they are. Because when you do, either people are going to like you for who you are or they're not. And if they like you for who you are, that's awesome. If they don't, that's awesome. So just be you. And you'll be amazed at how much time you save from that you had wasted trying to please other people. When you just put that energy into your business and being yourself within that business, you'll be blown away by the amazing people you attract into your life that want to help you because they like you for who you are, not for who they want you to be. I love it. Um, if somebody wants to get in touch with you or learn more about what you're offering, what, where would you suggest they go? Yeah, you know, absolutely. You can find me on social media, the LinkedIn, um, Facebook, Instagram, but you know, Russell, because you were so generous and gracious to have me on as a guest, what I would love to do as a gift from us to your listeners, because I value your time for taking the time to interview me. And I really value your listeners time because I believe time is one of the greatest um, commodities we have. Yes. And so as a thank you to the listeners, I would love for them to be able to actually download the entire digital copy of my book, success left a clue as our gift to them. And they just have to go to robertrealpel.com. Just my last, first and last name, R O B E R T R I O P E L.com. And they'll be able to download the entire digital copy of the book to, as a way of, to say thank you. And now I will let you know, though, it does come with a caveat, though. And the caveat is this. I did not write the book for a person to read, put on the shelf, and make it shelf help. That's not why I wrote it. <laughs> I wrote it to help change lives. And step number three of the six steps in that book is take action. And so I wrote it as a workbook and there's action steps all the way through. And I even say, did you do the last action? If not, stop reading right now, go back, do the action before you read anymore. I love it. Because people are creatures of habit. So I will promise you, if you, your listeners download the book, do the action steps, they will see that their life changes in amazing ways. I think the most valuable way to present information in a written form is in that sort of uh, structure, like a workbook, where you have challenges and assignments, and 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 you have to stop as a reader and process the information and internalize, right? And in, in little bits, I think that's the best way. Totally agree. Um, all right, I'm stumbling all over the place. Okay, all right. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. Oh, but see, we, it's in post because we, we fix it in, in post. I'm a big believer. Why fix it in post? Because business is messy Oh, and we make you. mistakes. Yeah, yeah. And just to let people know we're real, right? Yeah, yeah, right. And I agree. Um, but I do try to keep things listenable. And so um, from, my, from my experience <laughs> listening to many podcasts, it's like, I can't even listen to this thing. I'm like, I'm out, you know? So I do want to make it uh, somewhat professional, at least in terms of a presentation. But yeah, no, a lot of this junk will be in. You'll hear it. In fact, this, what I just said, I'll probably leave in since I just said I'm going to leave junk in. So there we go. It's kind of like, um, what is that called? Meta? Is that like a meta I thing where it's like multiple yeah, layers of reality? I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Oh, I need to do a breakaway just real quick and give a shout out to Will, Tom, and Nate. They're three young guys who own ParlorCityFurniture.com. Um, they're just killing it over there, and they're now a sponsor of the podcast, which is awesome. They're helping me outfit a new video studio, and I have a, a cool standing desk. It's motorized, goes from seated to standing. There's pre-recorded or pre-programmed positions also. Um, and we're going to be doing some upgrades in the podcast studio too. So they're super motivated, super cool. Uh, they want to help you. They're very excited about their business. They ship globally. You can find out more at ParlorCityFurniture.com. Back to the show. 
So listen, Robert, um, you may think you're done, but you're not, because it's time for the questions. Stand by. It's time to answer the questions. I double dare you. All right, Robert, it's time for the questions. You get the double dare here to be uh, honest and truthful and transparent and uh, as, as much as I know you will be anyway. So are you set to go? I'm ready if you are. All right. Number one, question number one from The Questions. Who do people tell you that you look like? Oh, my God. Either Bruce Willis or Steve um, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and I don't get it. Is it the bald head? Bruce Willis is bald I don't know. these days. I, I When I'm mainly in India and Asian, mm. even when I don't understand, like I'm, I can be in a store and all of a sudden in Hindi, you see, hear him chattering along and all of a sudden, Stone Cold, Stone Cold. Those, and that's all I understand. And all I'll those turn West- around and I'll look at him. <laughs> all those Westerners look alike is what they're thinking. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh my but gosh. if I heard it once or twice, me, I, I, yeah. it wouldn't bug me. But all of a sudden, I hear it in countries all over again and again and again. And I even did a Facebook post where I put, here's Bruce Willis. Here's Stone Cold Steve Austin. Here's me. Tell me how we look alike because we uh, don't. <laughs> and, and so did you get any feedback? Oh my goodness! It blew up. Yeah, <laughs> people and, had so much fun with it. So what they were they? So what were fun. they saying? What, what What was the common uh, common theme there? Or the common feature, or what have you? Uh, it, well, aerodynamic for one. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> hey, I walk twenty percent faster than people with hair. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> and um, it, but it was also the energy, the style. You know, Stone Cold. Of course, he's much bigger than I am. But I guess yeah. I have little bit of a husky build. Okay. And so, yeah, yeah. So it's just a lot of fun things. Love it. All right. Question number two. If you could have a conversation with a famous person, dead or alive, who would it be and what would you talk about, Robert? Hmm. I think I would want to go back because I'm a big fan to Napoleon Hill. Yes. And oh my gosh. dive even deeper with him. I'm looking at the book right now. Have you read Outwitting the Devil? No. Oh, dude. Was that, was that one of Napoleon's books? He wrote it two years after he wrote Think and Grow Rich. Okay. But they did not release it for 70 years because they knew it was so controversial that the family would be persecuted over it. Mm. So the Napoleon Hill Foundation finally agreed to release it in 2012 after basically he was gone, his wife was gone, their kids were gone. And the foundation update, if anything needed to be updated for today's day and age, it's more pertinent today than when he wrote it in 1939. Share the title again. It's outwitting the devil. Um, I will look for that. Good suggestions for our listeners. All right, let's see. Back to the questions. Question number three. What is the one unknown thing about Alberta that you would like the rest of the world to know about? <laughs> and I and and I'm and I'm Probably. I'm gonna oh, well, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> uh, you, what do you have? It's probably the fact that a lot of our little towns have Guinness Book of World Records for the craziest things. Really? Um, so, so like the town I'm just, my acreage is just outside of, has the largest fishing lure in the world, Guinness Book of World Records. Uh, another one has the largest Easter egg in the world. And these towns build these big things. <laughs> and, and these are towns of like 500 people, They're going for 1,000 the, people. Going for the tourism dollars. It's funny, I'm, <laughs> yes, wearing, they I'm, are. I'm wearing a Guinness hat too. It's pretty funny. And we and we we actually in Alberta there's a place called Vulcan, Alberta. And so they have the enterprise mounted at the edge of the town. Um, you know, Leonard Nimoy even came to Vulcan at one point oh and they did gosh. a big media blitz around it. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. All right. Last one, question number four. So I uh, also do some coaching and with uh, going boldly success coaching. Um, Do you mind if I ask you a coaching question? Definitely. Let's go. All right. What is the most significant thing that you have learned about yourself as a result of coaching others? You kind of answered this as in our discussion, but I'll give you a chance to really go deep if you want to. Yeah. Is that I still have so much left to learn. Um, The moment I think I know everything, I'm done. So even though I'm a trainer around the world, Mm -hmm. I will be a student in as many audiences as I can be because I choose to keep growing and I don't know all the answers. 
Yeah, isn't it true that the more you learn, the more questions you have, and the more you realize that you don't know? Correct. One of the things that I've learned is that I have a greater capacity for empathy and um, caring than I was afraid I had. And, af- and afraid probably mm. isn't quite the right word. Uh, there was a reluctance because I'm an impatient person. Or uh, let me just rephrase mm-hmm. that, is I had the capacity to be an impatient person, and I have in the past for various reasons. So, yeah, so that we was- We are related. Seriously? <laughs> well- It's crazy, you know, right? Actually, we do have a lot in common, I, actually. Yeah, before I became a trainer, I had never traveled outside of North America. Yeah. Well, I went on a Caribbean cruise. So that was my extent of visiting the world outside of um, North America. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, when I started traveling around the world, I became a much more tolerant person because I realized that even though someone's culture is different and their beliefs are different, we all have the same crap going on in our heads, the yeah. self-doubt, the low self-esteem uh, and from our upbringing and that. And just because someone thinks different than me doesn't mean it's wrong. Yeah. No, it's just different. And so I became such a much more tolerant person than I ever realized I could be. Yeah, that's wonderful, yeah. I think the other thing re- kind of related to that that I've become aware of, especially as I've become older, is how lucky we are in, in our Western culture. We have so much. We're actually so blessed with what we have. And the more that you learn about the rest of the world, how many how many billions of people do we have now? There's a lot. Like 8 billion or something like that? Yeah, yeah. like even even the, the, like the poorest of us or the you know lower middle class or whatever, they're still in the top what, like four or five percent on the globe or something like that it's oh. a, it's a ridiculous percentage how lucky we are to have been born where we are and how we have a responsibility to make the world a better place using the skills and using the passions that we've been blessed with yep and, and you know one of the things that my wife and i use as a trigger when we're finding that we're either of us are starting to get in a complaining mood whoever catches it first will just say first world problem yeah, <laughs> because so that's true. a trigger to go. What do we have to complain about? Really, nothing. Not, not too much. No. Nothing. All right, Robert. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Our listeners have learned so much. I just know. I hope that you notice uh, a little bit of a explosion on your uh, web page as they look for that free book download. And um, I'm definitely going to check it out. I appreciate the opportunity to learn more about you via that, and and I hope we can stay connected somehow. I just. Uh, um, I meet so many really interesting people and there's always the few that have, there's that special something happening. So I appreciate it so much. I, I really, really value it. And um, just, oh, thank you. I know I've said thank you like 10 times in a row now, but, um, <laughs> but <laughs> I'll clean this up a little too. <laughs> All right, no, Robert. You can say it a few more times. All You've right. got 20 minutes to quit saying thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We are all done. Outro. That concludes another episode of Going Boldly. I hope you were entertained and you discovered at least one nugget of wisdom or advice that you can put into action immediately. Or maybe you received some inspiration from today's episode. And I'm certain you know at least one person who needs this podcast. Please share it with them. You might be the important link that will change their life for the better. Subscribing means you will not miss an episode and it will make it easier for me to schedule guests because I can show them that the audience is growing. So please subscribe. It will benefit us all. Let me know how I can make this show even better. Leave a comment and send me a DM. I read everyone personally, and I do my best to respond to each and every one. As a thank you, I'll be awarding prizes. And to keep you on your toes, the winners will be randomly selected from names I find in the comments, shares, DMs, and from the list of subscribers. Prizes might be Going Boldly merch or products supplied by my guests, or just something random and fun. But you have to comment, share, DM, or subscribe to be eligible to win. A special thanks to Brenna Swanger at Waverly Manor Studios for our great theme music. And finally, thanks for listening. Go boldly, keep at it, and wash your hands.